Let's open the Word of God to 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel 9. And then we read the following, and this is the word of God. Now David said, Is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they had called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, At your service. Then the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. So the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. Then king David sent and brought him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Here is your servant. So David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Then he bowed himself and said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? And the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and to all his house. You, therefore, and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him, and you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, According to all that the, my lord, the king, has commanded his servant, so will your servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants of Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table, and he was lame in both his feet. And the text for the sermon is the verses 7 and 8. We'll read those again. So David said to him, to Mephibosheth, Do not fear, for I will surely show kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Then he bowed himself and said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, too. By the time of the text for this morning, David had experienced the kindness of God in many, many 
ways. He had been given the kingship over God's people. First, just over uh, Benjamin and Judah, and then later all Israel. And in 1 Samuel 7, the Lord God promises David that he'll always have a descendant on the throne. And of course, points also to Jesus Christ. And his kingdom will stand forever. And then, as we're told in 2 Samuel 8, King David had been given great victories over all his enemies. You can read that in 2 Samuel 8, all of David's victories. So David had wonderfully experienced the kindness of God as the king of Israel. And so when we come to the chapter in which we find the text this morning, we see that that kindness of God towards David worked something in David too. God's kindness towards David moved him to seek out someone to whom he could show similar kindness. And he sought to show that kindness not to the nobles or the mighty men of his realm, but to a member of the family of his one-time rival and enemy, Saul. Saul had shown David a lot of hatred and enmity, and yet it was exactly to a grandson of Saul that David wanted to show kindness. And we could say that David's kindness was copied from the divine kindness he had received from God. And we could also say it's a prophecy of the kindness of David's son, Jesus Christ, who came into the world to show us kindness. In congregation, we can learn from David's kindness towards Mephibosheth, which reflects God's kindness to us, who are of ourselves enemies of God. And we can learn to grow in our humble appreciation for God's kindness to us in Christ And through that, then we ourselves grow in showing kindness to others, which is fruit of the Spirit of Christ. And I proclaim to you the text, then this this theme, divine kindness, and we'll see the content of that kindness, and secondly, the consequence of that kindness. First of all, the content. Congregation, Mephibosheth, the young man mentioned in 2 Samuel 9, the son of Jonathan, had experienced a lot in his early life already son of Jonathan, grandson of King Saul, and we're told in 2 Samuel 4, verse 4, that when he was five years old, there was war between Israel and the Philistines. And in one great climactic battle in that war, both Mephibosheth's grandfather Saul and his father Jonathan had died in battle. It was a huge defeat for Israel, so you can imagine that the victorious Philistines would also want to capture a number of towns and want to seek out and kill the rest of Saul's family in particular. So we're told in 2 Samuel 4 verse 4 that Saul's family had to flee the royal residence wherever that was at the time. And at the time Mephibosheth was only five years of age and you can imagine that at that age he couldn't run fast enough to escape the Philistines. So his nurse, the lady who took care of him, took him in her arms and ran away with him like that, but she fell. She fell with him, and the result was that both his legs were broken. 
And unlike the help we have available today in our health system, little or nothing could be done for Mephibosheth at that time. So ever since he was crippled in both his feet, his feet never healed properly, and you understand that it was difficult for him to get around. Mephibosheth ended up in the house of Machir in the town of Lodabar. It was a kind of hiding place for him there. Lodabar was a kind of ghetto place in the remote hilly country east of the Jordan River. The name Lodabar, in fact, means nothing. Nothing. There's nothing there. But Mephibosheth found refuge there. And at the time of the text, he was around 20 years of age, had even married already there in Lodabar and had a son whom he named Micah. I say he found refuge in Lodabar. He hid there probably first from the Philistines and later on he also wanted to stay out of King David's sight because in those days you see it was normal for kings who took the throne to completely wipe out all the members of the previous royal family. You can think for instance how later Baasha when he took the throne of Israel in Samaria wiped out the whole family of King Jeroboam and left not one that breathed in that family, 1 Kings 15. Those, those men that ascended to that kingship then wanted to make sure that no members of the former royal family would be able to stage a coup and make a grab for the throne. So they wiped them all out. However, King David's attitude was completely different. The Spirit of God lived in him. We could say that the Spirit of Jesus Christ, his great-great-great-grandson, lived in King David already. And that had already been shown in the past. He had spared Saul's life a number of times, even when he could have killed him. And when Saul and Jonathan were killed, he had composed a song of mourning for them. And when some people murdered Saul's son, Ishbosheth, who had taken the throne for a time, he punished, David punished them by putting them to death. No, he was, he was a different king from the average king of those times. He had experienced, you see, the kindness of the Lord. In a very real way. And that motivated him to want to show kindness to anyone who might be left of Saul's family. And he wanted to be faithful to the promise he had made to Jonathan. That when he was king he would show kindness to anyone left in Jonathan's house. So he ordered a search to be made to see if there's anybody left of the house of Saul. And he was told there was still a son of Jonathan, Mephibosheth, who lived in Lodabar, crippled in both his feet. So Mephibosheth came before King David and he bowed low before him with his face to the ground. We're not told what was going through Mephibosheth's mind at that moment. Maybe he was afraid that David would order to have him killed. We don't know what he was thinking, but we do know what David was thinking. He was filled with compassion and wanting to show kindness to that disabled son of Jonathan and grandson of Saul. He assured him that he would show kindness to him. 
And then he did two wonderful things for him. He gave Mephibosheth all the land of Saul. Somehow that had been taken away. Ziba had maybe claimed it for himself. But Mephibosheth received all the lands that Saul had owned, King Saul. And he told them that he could always eat at his table. Mephibosheth would be treated as one of King David's own sons, it says in verse 11. He says, be treated as a prince. Congregation, in verse 7 of the text, then we see the Spirit of God's Son, Jesus Christ, at work in his forefather, King David. We see divine kindness in what David did for Mephibosheth. We see the wonderful kindness of Christ our King towards us shine through already in David's dealing with Mephibosheth. The same wonderful kindness which is signified and sealed, for instance, in our baptism. God our Savior shows His kindness to people who are conceived and born in sin and of themselves haters of God. People who were not looking for kindness and salvation are told at their baptism that God in Christ wants to be kind to them and treat them as his adopted children, as princes and princesses. And he invites them then to his table to be nourished time and again to eternal life. You had the Lord's Supper here last Sunday. And I have to think of what it says in the form for the celebration of the Lord's Supper. By his death... Jesus has removed the cause of our eternal hunger and misery, which is sin, and has obtained for us the life-giving Spirit. And by this Spirit, who dwells in Christ and in us as His members, we have true communion with Him and share in all His riches, life eternal, righteousness, and glory. And what is the content of King Jesus' kindness? Well, he lets those then who embrace him in faith share in all the riches and glories of his kingdom. He lets you share in his righteousness before God. And you also share then in the internal, in eternal inheritance, life in the new heavens and the new earth. An inheritance which it says, 1 Peter 1 verse 4, is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you in Christ, the risen and ascended Lord. So in word and sacraments, King Jesus continually assures us, brings us before him, and assures us that he wants to show us kindness, like David did to Mephibosheth. He assures us of his kindness and he wants to fulfill all the promises of the covenant towards us. Forgive all your sins and give you everlasting life and peace with him in his kingdom. How in the world is that possible? We weren't looking for that. We didn't seek him out. No, he sought us out to show us divine kindness as David sought out Mephibosheth to show him kindness. And even though we're still so weak and so often unfaithful, he continues to assure us every Sunday again and every time we open the Bible that he is faithful. He wants to give us every blessing 
which Christ has obtained by his obedience and his cross, calls us to himself also today. We come to the second part of the sermon, the consequence of that kindness. Congregation, notice how Mephibosheth reacts to King David's kindness toward him, verse 7 of the text. In verse 7, it, it says there, or verse 8, it says, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? We're not told exactly what Mephibosheth was thinking or feeling at that time, but we know that kings who got their hands on the thrones of nations in his days usually killed the families of their predecessors, as we mentioned. And so, probably fear filled his heart. Maybe he was shaking as he came before King David there. And that's why David told him, don't fear, fear not. What we do know something about, though, is what Mephibosheth was thinking and feeling after David told him he wanted to show him kindness and restored all the lands of his grandfather Saul and invited him to eat at his royal table, table every day. What am I? Hey, what is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? Dogs, you know, they were not seen as man's best friend in Israel in the Old Testament. They were unclean animals. They ate all kinds of things. They were unclean. The people of Israel were not supposed to touch them even, so they chased them away. They kept them out of the houses and out of the towns. And then a dead dog. Death was unclean. And a dead dog was totally useless. Even today, in our dog-friendly culture of today, you can't think of a use for a dead dog, can you? You can only bury them out of sight. The disabled Mephibosheth saw himself as kind of useless like that. A dead dog. Of what use could he be to David? In the time before computers and machinery, when a servant's worth was determined by how he could work the fields or fight battles, what use could a crippled man like Mephibosheth be? He wasn't even allowed in the temple. Why would David want him around, even sitting at the royal table? A dead dog. Unclean, less than useless. Congregation Mephibosheth's words remind us of how we are in ourselves before David's son, King Jesus. As we are in ourselves, we do not deserve one iota of attention from him. Of ourselves, every one of us is an unclean sinner, only fit to be thrown aside like a dead dog, already dead in ourselves, dead in our sins. Angels serve the Lord faithfully without any sin or question. It would just be just if the Lord would ever, never have sought us out. We didn't ask for him. And yet he sought you and me out. He let himself be treated like, in fact, he let himself be treated like an unclean dog himself. And cast out, cursed outside Jerusalem, put to death. And on the basis of that, 
He sought out people like you and me who are of ourselves no better than dead dogs and showed us incredible kindness and gave us rich and everlasting promises. Divine kindness. Oh, Lord Jesus, what a wonder that you would show such regard for people like us. Do you see what the consequence of divine kindness is? Deep humility and homage and repentance for King Jesus. And do you experience that too when you think about his kindness towards you? You can want to do a lot for the Lord and many things for his church, outwardly serve him with all kinds of good deeds. But this is about what's inside here, what's in your heart. Deep gratitude, deep humility before Jesus Christ, your King, for the kindness he holds out to you, of all people, to you. Without that gratitude and humility, your faith is actually hollow and empty. And see, that gratitude and humility is the consequence of being shown such incredible and divine kindness. And the closer you live to Jesus Christ, the deeper your humility and and congregation, that humility and that abasement of pride and self is not, it's not the requirement for receiving his kindness. It's the consequence of receiving the kindness of your king. And the spirit of Jesus Christ works via word and sacrament sitting at his table to show you his kindness every Sunday again. And every time you open the Bible at home or in Bible study, every time you open the Bible, and if you have ears to hear, and the eyes of your heart are open, then it cannot be, but your gratitude and humility will grow. You more and more see how unclean you are in yourself before the Lord, and how much you still need to grow in your gratitude for everything he gives you and has done for you and promises to do for you in the future. Brothers and sisters, young people, has that kindness of your King Jesus brought you to your knees to pay homage to him? Has it so humbled your heart that you seek Nothing outside of Jesus Christ and Him crucified? Or do you presume on His incredible kindness so that it hardly touches your heart and soul anymore? Are you so taken up with this life that the eyes of your heart have become dim and don't really see that much of the kindness He holds out to you in word and sacrament time and again? Is this life more real to you than the everlasting life of peace he holds out to you and wants to give you?
Mephibosheth was allowed to sit as prince at King David's table, as one of David's own sons. He could be with the king, in the presence of the king. He could learn to know him better and better. He could experience the love and care of the king on a daily basis. Wonderful. But notice that it's repeated at the end of 2 Samuel 9 that he was lame in both his feet. Think about it. His handicap remained. That happens to us too, doesn't it? Even if we know the kindness of David's son, Jesus Christ, and we're growing in it, even if we can eat and drink at his table, the Lord's table, which is the foretaste of the eternal feast, in spite of that, we still, as it were, remain handicapped. In that respect, receiving the kindness of the king doesn't change anything. The handicap remains. The pain or sickness doesn't go away. The family issues remain. In fact, maybe there's even more trouble because you want to be with your king and grow in him. But the wonderful thing is, you can eat at the king's table. And you did. And you will. And in the middle of all the troubles and issues you deal with, that's your comfort and peace and contentment. I believe that my king will always take care of me. He makes me child of his father and ensures that all things will come to me out of my father's hand. That all things work together for good. And knowing that, if you know that, that makes you like the Apostle Paul, content in every circumstance for all the things he allows me are given to me to prepare me for my eternal and heavenly inheritance. Oh, brothers and sisters, if only we were more aware of that divine kindness of our King, Jesus, day by day. And we'd be able to get rid ourselves of so many of the, the worries and the struggles we deal with day by day. Because we worry a lot for nothing. And then we'd be able to rid ourselves of so many of those worries and we'd complain a lot less even in, in these times that we're going through now. We'd be a lot more contented no matter what. But sadly, the divine kindness of our King so it can be kind of distant to us, can't it? Our hearts can go cold pretty quick. But that's why our Savior and King regularly invites you to his supper and into his presence to eat bread and drink wine in remembrance of him and to taste and see that he gave himself up to curse and death for you on the cross. And he tells you that in the gospel every Sunday. He cursed like a dead dog so that I, the dead dog, might receive blessing Upon blessing, he bought me, made me his own, invites me to himself. And then I see that it's better to eat and drink at his table than to be able to enjoy all the pleasures that this life has to offer. Because this life comes to an end. And then you have to let everything go. But if you have Jesus, 
you have everything. Then everybody who ends up standing before his throne, his judgment seat, has to answer. And then his wrath is terrible for those who have turned from him. I don't want what you, you offered me. But those who respected and humbled themselves before him and his divine kindness loved him for that, they will receive the full and eternal and endless riches he has obtained for him. They'll see him in his glory and take their places at the great feast with Abram, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. And they'll never, ever, even in eternity, get finished praising their king for his amazing kindness. Amen.